0: If you have your Bibles and you want to open up to Genesis chapter 17, uh, verses one through nine, and then we'll skip down to 15 through 17, and then we'll skip down to verse 19. Um, I'm going to talk a little this morning about Abraham. And um, if you have your Bibles, if you, if you were um, opened up to Genesis 17, why don't you say amen? If you're going to be looking at the screen, say Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 17, verses one through nine. And the word of the Lord says, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, Ask for me. Behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 9. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed, after thee in their generations. Skipping down to verse 15 through 17. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Everybody says, he laughed. And said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a 100 years old? And, And shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? Verse number 19 says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. For the next few moments, I would like to title my sermon, I Will Laugh. I Will Laugh. Let's all pray today. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come into this place and experience your presence, Lord God. We thank you for the power that we've already felt. We thank you for, Lord Jesus, the comfort that we feel when we, when we enter into this building and we begin to feel your presence. We're thankful for that. God, today I pray right now for every single person under the sound of my voice that they would be reminded of the covenant. They would be reminded of the promise that you have. And Lord God, that we would not believe that you have forgotten us and failed us, but we would grab even tighter and more firmly to know that you are a promise keeper and a way maker. We give you the glory, the honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord and say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Anybody ever had a crush before in your life? You ever liked somebody and maybe it was like a, a grade school crush or uh, maybe you're long beyond crushes. Maybe you still have a crush on your, um, on your spouse. That's really awesome for you if you do. Um, I, I've had many a crush in my day. Many, many uh, girls I thought were pretty awesome. And one particular, I um, was in the sixth grade. And I had recently moved to Edwardsville, um, Illinois, where I'm from. And it's been a long time. I know I have like a baby face, but it's been a little while since I've been in sixth grade. Um, And I, But I I really, really enjoyed her. And I thought she was just the coolest person ever. And it was like God ordained. I could tell that that I had found the one that I was going to be with for the rest of my life. Uh, because when it came time, if you've gone to school for any amount of time, you might have heard of a thing called a seating chart. And that seating chart was who you were going to sit with for maybe the remainder of the quarter or the remainder of the semester, whatever it is. And the seating chart meant something. It was real. And who, who you sat next to was important. And I had had my eye on Morgan for a long, long, long time. So when it came time for our science class to give out the seating charts, it, w- it had to be God that, that he would put me right next to Morgan. It had to be him. It couldn't be anything else but that she was the one for me, and I have found her. And I sit next to Morgan, and the thing is is that we're at these science like lab tables. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're like, you're at a table maybe with four people. Well, she sat right next to me. And was my partner for every time we dissected anything, for any project, whatever it was. We just became friends. She'd laugh at my jokes. There was chemistry there. And there was really nothing you could do about it. I mean, all the other guys, you might try, but that's my girl, you know. I'm sitting next to her. She gets me. And I remember that I finally mustered up enough courage that I am going to ask Morgan to be my girlfriend. I'm gonna do this. Now, do my parents know I'm gonna do this? Probably not, no. They have no idea. But I, I, I'm gonna, i I'm gonna try to, you know, start up a relationship with Morgan here. And after school is over, I see her and a group of friends, and I walk over to them, and I just, you know, what's up, Morgan? You know, trying to put on my cool face and try to be as cool as I can. And I say, I'm like, Morgan, um, I think you're really great. Would you uh, possibly want to, be my girlfriend. And she says to me, she goes, I have to go ask my mom. And I'm like, we've been dissecting frogs together. We, we've done projects. We've been talking to one another. You laugh at my jokes. What does your mom have to do with us? What, what does your mom have to do with you and me and what we're going to have in the future we have together? Well, what does this have to do? What does your mom do? Have to do with this, Morgan? And of course, I just say, "Yeah, no problem." Of course, I'm thinking all these things, like, "What is she doing?" But I'm like, "Yeah, no problem." So I go home, and the night passes, and the morning comes, and I did not sleep well because I am nervous. I mean, the biggest day of my life is coming, and I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I go and I put on, uh, I put on my clothes and whatever, and um at the time, it's just kind of a weird thing to say, but it really goes, it's, it's to help you understand the story. I was a, a very like skinny young guy and would just like, I could just throw on my, I didn't have to unbutton or unzip or anything. I could just throw the shorts on like right over everything, you know, so it, it didn't matter. Like if I had, I, it, it could have been looking any type of way, right? It just, I just put them on. And I go to school and I remember there's Morgan. She's walking with her friend Carly and Morgan comes up to me with Carly, and she's, she's talking to me, and she's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I don't think I can be your girlfriend. My same reaction. <laughs> and I'm very, very upset about this. I'm very sad. And I'm like, you know, no, it's okay, no problem, because, you know, I've got plans to win her over. Uh, but I'm like, no problem. And she walks off, and I get my stuff out of my locker. I shut my locker, and... Her friend Carly comes back to me and I'm like, oh, maybe she's changed her mind or she got nervous. Maybe there's something good happening here. And Carly looks at me and all she says is, hey, I just wanted to tell you that your shorts are on backwards. (laughs) And we're not talking like basketball shorts. We're talking cargo shorts (laughs) with like big pockets, like baggy pockets. I'm walking around with the zipper in the back and the pockets in the front, and I've got, I, what is going on? Why, how did I get to school with my shorts on backwards? Do I not have a mother that loves me, that would let me, why would she make me do this? And I, I, I promise you, I rode, on, I rode to school sitting there in the car the whole way, and my shorts were on backwards. How do you not look down one time? You know, I was in a rough mental state, you know, waiting for this to happen. And I remember going to the bathroom and I tell Carly, thank you so much. Like, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me, saving me. This is before the day really starts, but I run to the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I see the front, the back pockets are in the front. And I'm just blown away that I could ever do this. And I had to think to myself, was it the shorts? Like, did she like me a lot? But when she saw me walking into school with my hands jammed in my back pockets, she decided that like, she wasn't really interested in me any longer. What, was it not my personality, but maybe the way that I wore my clothing? It is safe to say that that day, I was the laughingstock of Liberty Middle School. I was just, a laughing stock. I mean, if anybody would have saw me, they would have made fun of me. Luckily, Carly was so nice to tell me that my shorts were on backwards, but a lot of you are the kind of people that would let me keep my shorts on backwards all day. (laughs) And you'd say, look at that guy with his shorts on backwards. But I was the laughing stock. And a lot of times, if, if someone came and told you that God had a plan for your life or that God could do something in you, Or God has something specific today for you. You'd probably laugh. You'd probably be like, that's funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. Because you have no idea what I face. You have no idea what I go through. You have no idea the life that I live. You don't get it. And when God comes to Abraham, who is 100 years old, and says, you're going to have a son. And you're going to be the father of many nations. He laughs. He laughs. You can look into the Hebrew word laugh there. It's actually sock which means the laughing stock or the to make a toy out of. He's laughing at the promise of God. Yes. God is saying, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And he says, ha, right. that's, funny. that's funny. That's hilarious because I'm a 100 years old. And for us to understand the laugh of Abraham, we must first understand Abraham's pain. Because Abraham's former name was Abram. Abram meaning, the name means exalted father. So for years and years and years, Abram is walking around and hearing the name Abram. And in that day, it was likely that he knew what his name meant. It wasn't just like the name Weston that you hear and you know, and they just picked it, my parents, because they thought it was cool. It was something that, it it meant something to your life. It was meaningful. So Abram walks around, and every time his name is called, he hears exalted father. But every time that he tries to have a child, he can't have a child. And he's dealing with the pain. Of not living up to what his name is. And now God wants to come and tell him that he's going to have a son after a hundred years. Don't you know the pain that I've dealt with? You want to do this now? It's funny. Sometimes if, if I came and told you what God wanted to do in your life. Some of you would laugh in my face. Because you've been with that pain for so long, you've been hurting for so long. Your family has been lost for so long. You've been broken. You've been depressed for one too many days. And if I told you there was a God that could redeem you and could help you, I don't know if you would believe me today. Jesus, And Abram, Abraham, Decides through this time of not having a child, I'm going to make this happen by myself. You know what? Let me take. Uh, even Sarah recommends this. Take your hand, my handmaiden, and have a child with her. And he has a son named Ishmael. And he and he just he does everything he can to make the promise come to pass. And the pain comes because you can't make the promise happen. And you try everything that you can. You'll try new churches. And you'll try new relationships. And you'll try new drugs or you'll try new alcohol. You'll do whatever it is to take the pain away. I can't make it happen for you. And you can't make it happen for you. There's not enough counsel that will make it happen in your life. Because I didn't give the promise to you, and you did not give the promise to you. But there is one that gave you the promise, and there is one that is faithful. There is one that will come through no matter what comes. And he is the promise keeper. But the laughter of Abraham comes because he can't make it happen. He just has to stay obedient and keep doing what God asked him to do. The one thing we need to do when we receive a promise, whether that be in the Word of God, or whether that be um, through a man of God speaking into your life, or whether that be in a, in a prayer closet, God speaks to you and you know it's from Him. It's this knowing. We, we've been spoken to in many different ways. This book is full of promises, full of them. But the one thing we need to realize is who is this promise from? Because if the promise is from me, if the promise is from man, I cannot guarantee that it will come to pass. But once you know the promise is from God, you can know it's going to come to pass. So who gives you the promise? And then it is obey. Your obedience shows your faith in the promise. When Abraham is told by God, get your family up, go to Canaan. If he says, I don't really know if anything is going to be there, I'm probably not going to go. That doesn't prove his faith in God. Faith without works is dead. When God gives you a promise, you say, I'm going to line up however I can. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live set apart. I'm going to make myself as perfect as I can be in his eyes. And I'm going to walk after him. Because your obedience will show your faith. If you're not obedient, then where's your faith? And we want to try to make the promise happen. We want to try to do whatever it is. And sometimes we go outside of the will of God. Sometimes we go outside of what we think. And we know is right to make things happen the way in the timing we want it to happen. When good and well, he knows the perfect time that it needs to happen. Let your obedience show your faith today. But Abraham is not the only one that we see laughing. As Genesis 18, 9 through 15, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. And it says, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my sister, my husband is all, or when my master, my husband is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old, an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jesus. I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Yes. Yes, sir. Right. Yes. You did have disbelief in your heart. And you're watching the story because we know every, we know God. We've got this full scope. You've grown up in this. You know that God's going to come through, right? And you watch this and you're like, Sarah, get it together. Don't you know it can happen? You're like watching, the, watching it live. You're like reading the book, watching the movie. And you're like, please, just get this. Your God will never fail you. But... Without knowing Sarah's pain, we can't understand Sarah's laugh. Because Sarah had just found out that she was the problem. It was her fault. Abraham could have a child with Hagar, Abraham could have Ishmael. There's one problem here, Sarah, and it's you. You're the one that's barren, and you're too old. And she has to live every day with the pain of impossibility. So when God comes and says, you will have a son, she laughs because it's impossible. I'm old and I'm barren. There's no way God could use me. There's no way a nation could be born out of me. You don't know my family. You don't know their past. You don't know my past. You don't know how long the doctor's been telling me that I am sick. You don't know how long I've been addicted. You don't get it. If you got it, you would laugh too. You would understand I'm the laughing stock. Don't you see it? Everything I touch, everything I do, it just doesn't work. And Sarah laughs because the promise It's impossible. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 12 says this about Abraham and about Sarah. It says, and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. You mean out of an old barren person? You mean out of someone who was as good as dead? A nation came out of them? I have come to preach a word to somebody today that you might be as good as dead. You might be basically dead. You might be pretty much dead. You might not have much left. But what that verse is saying is that Abraham was not dead. You might be on the cusp of death in your life, but if you've got breath in your lungs, then you have a God that can bring a nation out of you. Then you have a God that can, can fulfill a promise. If you've got anything left in you, your family can be saved. If you've got anything left in you, you can be healed and you can be delivered and God can change your life. I don't know what the doctor told you. I'm not you. I don't know what people say about your lost loved ones. I don't know what people say about you and your ministry. I just know that my God is a promise keeper. I just know when he says something, he will do it. Has he spoken and he's not done it? Has he spoken and not made it good? He is not a man that he should lie. He created you. You are a good thing. You are created by God for a purpose and for a plan. And if you feel like you're as good as dead today, I've come to tell you that he's come to bring life to you. He's come to bring hope to your hopeless situation. I know you feel like you come to these altars every week and you never get the Holy Ghost. He that began a good work and you will complete it. Until the day of Christ Jesus, you can come to this altar and know that he is a God that gives that free gift to you. You don't have to beg for it. It is the free gift of God and you can receive it today. I know you come and ask for healing. Come again. Pray again. Get back up again. Live a life. I know what you think is impossible. I know you think the promise is impossible, and with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know that the time that that with God all things are possible is used is when the rich young ruler is before Jesus. And Jesus is talking to him. And he says, follow me. Sell everything you have. I want you to follow me. And the rich young ruler is like, but I follow the commandments. I do everything right. I don't know if I can sell all of my possessions. And he walks away. And the disciples say, how is anybody ever going to be saved? How is a rich man supposed to be saved if he has to sell everything that he has? If you have to give your life, if you have to give up your ways, if you have to give up what you want and your desires, how is anyone ever saved? You know what he tells them? He says, It's harder. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to be saved. If you look into the meaning of the eye of the needle, what that is, it is literally a gateway into Jerusalem. And camels would come through and they had goods and riders and supplies that were stacked upon them. And what they would have to do to get through that gateway is take everything off. And it was such a tight squeeze that they didn't even want to go through it. My pastor went to, um, went to Jerusalem. He, he, he saw this for himself. He says that they, the camels would go and they'd want to fit them through, but the camel would fight it. He'd do everything he could to not have to get through there because it was hard and it was tough. But the promise is on the other side. Yeah. I'm come to tell you that you're going to have to maybe sometimes go through some things. You're going to have to sometimes shift your body this way and shift your body this way and say, "Somebody, brother, sister, help me through the eye of the needle, because I am not able to do it by myself, but I know the promise is on the other side. I know it's Jerusalem is on the other side. It's tough. It is not easy. But it is not impossible. You might have to work. You might have to stay firm in your beliefs and in your convictions when nobody else is. But it is not impossible. Your family is lost. Your family might not believe. Your family might might shut out every conversation of, of, of God. But they are not unsavable. We, our God is a savior, our God is a deliverer, our God is a healer, and He is able to do anything. He is able to do anything, and He's able to do anything in you and through you and through your ministry. He's able to use you. If the musicians would come, I'm coming to a close. I'm getting to our third laugh of the day, and it's my favorite laugh. Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. It says And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised Isaac, his son, or his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God, God hath made me, to laugh, so all that hear will laugh with me. If you look at the Hebrew meaning of this laugh, it's the same sock hack. It's the same laughing stock. So what, people laugh at Sarah because she's old and has a child? She's now the laughing stock because of the promise? This is what I read it and I'm like, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But she says... He has made me to laugh. He has made everyone laugh with me, not because she's too old and she's not going to be a good mother, but rather she says, I laughed that I never believed him in the first place. I laugh because I, I can't believe I didn't think my God could come through. I didn't believe that God could give me a son. I didn't believe that God could do it. And he has made me to laugh and you all laugh with me. I've come to preach to somebody that you will laugh when you see the presence of God and you see the power and you see his promises you will sit amongst your friends and family at this church and you will laugh because God did it again because God made a way again because God filled another person with the Holy Ghost God saved another family member God delivered someone else Your days are not over. You will laugh. You will be used. God will touch you. God will bless you. God will use this church in this community. He's not tongue. You are going to laugh. Because this is not just about Isaac. If everyone would stand. We are so hung up on Isaac. When Isaac is just a small part of the promise. We didn't close, we don't close the book. Isaac is born, yay. Isaac was an instrumental part in the covenant that God had. Why can God heal you? Because he has a covenant with his people. It's not just about us and our little problems and our needs, and I believe that God cares. But there's more. It's for a city, it's for a family, it's for more. There's a covenant. And Isaac is born and a lot happens. Abraham dies, Isaac dies, Isaac's son Jacob dies. Moses, they they, they get, the Israelites get thrown into slavery. And Moses, God delivers them, but Moses dies. And you can go through the whole list until they get outside the promised land, which the promise was about Canaan. In a land flowing with milk and honey. It just wasn't Isaac. It was more. There was a promise that one day they would see the promised land. Oh, I don't know if I can be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just not me. I don't know if I can be baptized in Jesus' name. That's just not how I, I'm not like that. Can I tell you that there is coming a day where he's gonna come back? and we're going to be with him and the promise is that we will see him face to face there will be no more tears there will be no more pain there will be no more heartache you will laugh when you see him because you'll say he's a covenant keeper he's a promise keeper he still does it He still knows me. He's still with me. He never forgot me. I wonder if anybody got to that promised land. If they walked into Canaan and they looked at each other because they had heard about the promised land. It was talked about for so long, I'm sure. It was why they were journeying. It was why. It was everything. It was the covenant. And I wonder if they walked up and they said, Abraham wasn't crazy. Pastor Jordan, Isaac wasn't crazy. My pastor isn't crazy. This 26-year-old preacher that's up here yelling at you all day, he's not crazy. Because one day you will see him face to face. He will wipe every tear from your eye. You will be with him and he will be with you. And it will be like you everything you've dreamed about I've come to remind somebody who's forgotten the promise in your life that it has to happen Isaac must happen you will see the goodness you will see the faithfulness of your God Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. He's not done, it's gonna happen. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he said and shall he not do it? Have he spoken and he shall not make it good? I've come to tell you that Isaac will happen, we will see him, everything that this book says will come to pass, it is forever settled in heaven. You don't have to worry, you will laugh, you will see him. I want to open up these altars to somebody today that you said, I know I've tried it before. I know I've tried to give my heart to them before. I know I keep doing this, coming to the altar and repenting, and I keep doing it over and over again, but I'm giving it one more try because my God is faithful. It just hasn't seemed to work so far, but I know. I know we can do it. I know he will do it.